Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. To the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 11. Hebrews and chapter number 11. We're continuing with our series of through faith and examining this hall of faith chapter, Hebrews chapter number 11. And as we walk through this, we've been seeing that faith always produces action over and over. By faith, um, Abel. By faith, Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses' parents, by faith Moses. And we've been walking through and seeing that faith produces action. Now as we're getting towards the end of this, we're going to see that it's opening up even more. All the people that we've talked about so far have been individuals. Now we're going to see the faith of a group of people. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. And notice with me in Hebrews chapter number 11. Notice with me starting at verse number 29. Hebrews 11 and verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assaying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And notice the pronoun that is used in verse number 29, they. Here it is not talking about the faith of Moses even though he was the leader. In verse number 30 it's not talking about the faith of Joshua even though he was the leader. Here we see a group of people that had to exercise faith. Now, of course, we've made a big deal of the Red Sea crossing in the last several weeks. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time for that. But remember, they had to cross willingly by themselves. They can see the Red Sea parted, but it did them no good until they stepped on the dry land and walked on it themselves. You could have had someone who stalled and said, I don't think it's going to hold. I don't think it's going to hold. And they wouldn't have been walking by faith because faith always produces action. We know that this group of people, two and a half million people at this time, had to cross and they crossed by faith. The faith was they were expecting God to carry them through without the waters collapsing on them. And that was a matter of faith. We have 20-20 hindsight, but can you imagine you being there and watching the wolves of water and expecting it not to crush you? Now, with all the other people crossing, it was easier for other people to carry the faith. But now we come to 40 years later and another incident dealing with the Hebrew people that required individual faith collectively to see things done. And if you don't mind, I would love to talk to you here of the faith of Israel dealing with the walls of Jericho. Notice in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, and as they were compassed, about seven days. Now, we find this historical event in the book of Joshua chapter 6. And if you don't mind, let's go to Joshua chapter 6, and let's just explore this historical account, and let's learn about the faith of Israel during this time, and what was required. 
Now, the first thing I want to show you here, as we want to try to define faith and describe faith, and we want to try to put across what real faith is, the first thing we see here is the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Notice with me as we uh, get this account. And um, let's start in verse number one. Uh, Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thee thine hand Jericho. And the king therefore, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around the city once. Thus shall thou do six days. And the seven priests, shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall pass the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpet. And when it came to pass, when they shall make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye shall hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend every man before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on! And could pass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests, bearing seven tr trumpets of ram's horns, passed on before the Lord, and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant followed them. All right, so what we're having here is, first of all, the obedience of faith. Now, with this, let's just place in our mind the scenario. The children of Israel have crossed the Jordan River and have come into the promised land. And the very first city that they're going to come across is going to be the city of Jericho. Now remember in the ancient world, uh, we're in Joshua chapter 6. Remember in the ancient world that the cities had to protect themselves and the cities had walls that would surround them. Now these wouldn't be nice little thin walls of sheetrock. These would be thick mud and brick walls. The walls of Jericho, from what we've been able to understand stood about 21 feet high. And it, um, it was about 8 feet thick. So that's a pretty thick wall. So 8 feet thick, 21 feet high. The walls of the city would probably carry about a circumference about half a mile. <laughs> and so uh, they had inside of the city, they had um, the inhabitants and they had the refugees. And so Joshua under the commandment of God, had the priest of God, the Levites, they were supposed to lead with the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant weighed about 100 pounds. And you had four men that were bearing it. And so they, each one of them had a staff and they would carry it. And by the way, if you're going to go on a great hike, that starts to weigh down. Their campsite was about two to six miles away from the city of Jericho. So what would happen in the morning on day number one? All right, guys, we're going to go around the city of Jericho. And we're going to do this for six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times. All right, and so the priest, I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone follow them. And so we're going to go around the city every day. And so they would go around a circumference of um, about a half a mile around, which is a pretty decent size if you're going to try to walk around the circumference. So they march from two to six miles, get to the city of Jericho, walk around the city of Jericho once, 
And then they go back two to six miles to wherever their camp was. And we need everyone to do this. What we see here is the obedience of faith. All right, guys, we're going to destroy the city. God's going to do it. And we're just supposed to obey. All right, Joshua, what are we going to do? Are we going to get trebuchets? Are we going to get catapults? How are we going to destroy this? We're going to obey God and we're going to walk around the city. Good. We walk around the city, then what? We go home. What? This is how we're going to defeat a city? Is that we're going to get up in the morning. We're going to go march. We're going to walk around the city. And then we're going to go home? Yep. What about tomorrow? We're going to do it again. What about the next day? We're going to do it again. What we see here is that there's an obedience of faith. Could you imagine how silly the children of Israel look like to the people who are in the walls of Jericho looking around? All right, they sound the alarm. Look, an army approaches. And they're coming. And they're walking around the city. And they went home. What in the world are these fools doing? You imagine, this made no sense. No military. Now, again, if you were raised in Sunday school, you heard this story. We have 2020 hindsight. You think about this all the time and it's no big deal. But can you imagine being told, this is what I want you to do? And not being explained how the city is going to, to fall. That wasn't explained. It wasn't explained here that the walls were going to fall down. What I want you to do. Get up, march around the city, and then go home. Do that for six days. On the seventh day, what I want you to do is I want you to get up, march. I want you to go around the city six times. Then on the seventh time, then we're going to give other instructions. I want you to shout as much as you can. Okay. There was an exercise of faith here. And how do we know it was an exercise of faith? Because it required obedience. Someone who says that they have faith, but they're not willing to obey, doesn't have faith. Faith always produces action. What we're seeing in the life of the children of Israel here is we're seeing faith displayed. And the elements of faith that are required to be displayed, the first one is the obedience of faith. They had to obey even though it didn't make sense. Faith is doing exactly what God has instructed us to do. It's being obedient to the commands that he has given. Being obedient even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes people will balk a little bit and say, listen, I don't mind obeying as long as I understand what's happening. Well, the Bible gives the principle several times that you obey first, then understanding comes. God wants to see if you're willing to obey him just because he said it. And there are sometimes that we don't understand why. Sometimes we don't want to understand why. You say, what do you mean? All right, let's say your teenager comes up to you. Dad, mom, can I have the keys to the car? And you say, no. What's their next, what's their next statement? Why? Why? You know, they don't want to know why. They're trying to con you to say yes. How do I know? Because if I say yes, they're not going to go, why? They're going to be out the driveway before I get the last S out. Right? 
The only reason why they're asking why is they're trying to get you to change your mind. They're not looking for understanding. You can explain all you want and it's not going to be acceptable unto them if they're not submitted. Does that make sense? The understanding is not what they were looking for. God understands it's how we work. He wants us to obey. Then understanding will come. Does it make sense? You know, you take something simple. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Why is reading my Bible every day going to do something? Someone who may be new to Christianity, new to what the Bible talks about biblical Christianity. I'm supposed to read my Bible every day. What good is this going to do? I don't understand. I mean, just reading some words. Sure, some great stuff. How is this going to help? Well, obey, then understanding will come. I could try to explain it beforehand, but you're not going to get it until you obey. Does it make sense? There's certain things about the Christian life that require faith. And if it's truly a faith, it's going to require something for us to obey. There's an obedience of faith. If you say you're following God, then there's going to be an obedience that follows along with it. Does that make sense? There's a second thing that we hear, have here as we understand what faith is and describing faith and seeing how faith is demonstrated. First of all, there's an obedience to faith. Second of all is a discipline of faith. Discipline of faith. What do I mean by this? All right. So the children of Israel were supposed to walk around the city of Jericho. Not only that, the children, of, uh, the, the priests were supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was carried about 100 pounds. They had two to six miles from their campsite, then go around the half a mile circumference and then walk back. Well, that takes some discipline. But you know something else that they were required to do? Not say a word. You know how much discipline that takes? When's the last time you tried to be quiet? <laughs> I uh, was teaching high school once, and so I was going through the period of the judges. And we got to Joshua in this account here. And I said, let's demonstrate this. So what I want each of you to do is I want you six here, you six here, each of you to grab a table. And so it was one of those white fold-out tables. And what we're going to do is we're going to go outside, and we're going to carry the tables <laughs> around the building and I don't want you to say a word. You know how hard that was for them? They couldn't contain themselves. Even something like complaining, this is too heavy. By the way, six people carrying that table, as light as that thing is, they started complaining pretty quick. No, 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 we're going to mimic all this. We're going to go around seven times. And you can't say a word. If one person said a word, it would ruin the whole thing. And so here, we talked about a little bit earlier how the children of Israel had to cross the Red Sea. And that was just a, an act of faith. But because everyone else was doing it, it was a little bit easier. But here, this required, even though it was a collective thing, an individual obedience of faith. To be quiet, to obey the Lord, not to say a word. By the way, when were they not supposed to talk? As soon as they left camp. So they'd wake up, the, 
the um, pre, uh, men would blow the trumpets and they would begin the march and began the quiet. Two to six miles they would march to Jericho, walk around the city of Jericho, and then march two to six miles back, not saying a word. Just one round trip would take about three and a half hours. Could you imagine marching, going in formation, or a gaggle, probably they were gaggling. That's what, that's what uh, students do. They don't get in lines, they get in gaggles. All right, and so you can imagine these people who were going out, marching around, first of all, just being obedient. We're not doing anything. We're not fighting. We're just going to march around. And we've got to do it in silence. There's a discipline that goes to faith. A discipline for yourself to obey the Lord. It has to be discipline. The people were to be obedient to every detail. You're not even going to speak until you learn to be silent and listen to the Lord. I don't know of anything in our Christian life that we need more than to learn to be quiet before the Lord. As long as we're talking, we're not listening. There's a discipline that comes from obedience to faith. Again, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have told God what to do? In your prayers, you've explained to him and laid out how you, he should take care of this problem. I mean, you lay out the details for him so that way he doesn't misunderstand. He know, if he just follows your instructions, it's going to work out. I've done that. I'm sure you have too. But God doesn't need our counsel. He already knows how to do it. But we get so busy telling God how to take care of the problem when he was trying to say, listen, let me tell you how I'm going to take care of it. Let me tell you how I'm going to solve this problem. It was stop talking so I could tell you. And we're just jabbering on, just giving God all this great advice and telling him this, how to solve our problem. Something about being quiet. To obey God. To learn to be quiet. There's a discipline to faith. There's a time for shouting. And there's a time of silence. By the way, in this account, the silence came before the shouting. The disciplined life. The disciplined part of faith. Just to be quiet and obey what God's given us. And watch Him work. God is God. If we're going to have a faith, a true faith that follows God, there's a discipline to it. Something as much as disciplining yourself to read the Bible every day. That takes a discipline. Remember, we define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to Christ. Why is it such a big deal? Because it's a discipline. You get in the habit, you discipline yourself to read your Bible. You get in the habit, you discipline yourself to take time to pray. By the way... Fighting for prayer time is hard. You can get fight for your Bible reading fairly easily because I open up the Bible and I'm doing something. But your prayer life, that's a harder thing to discipline because what we like to do is try to fit prayer into little holes. 
And then if those holes don't work, all right, fine, I'm going to talk to God while I'm driving. By the way, you should talk to God while you're driving. But we're talking about closet prayer. Getting a hold of him, just you and him, no distractions. No talking to God while you're playing solitaire. You understand it takes a discipline and trying to fight for that time just between you and the Lord. But you get in the habit, you discipline yourself to pray. You get in the habit, you discipline yourself to be a faithful giver. You fight for the habit, you work on the habit, you work on the discipline to be faithful to church. Now, let's take for the idea of church. If you've made the decision to go to church, it's much easier to keep that decision, right? But if you say, well, I'll go if I feel good or this up here, what's going to happen? You're never going to feel good. Something is always going to be in the way. And so we can see with this discipline, there's a decision. I've made a decision and I'm keeping that decision. I'm going to keep going on. You get in the habit, you get discipline to tell people, to witness, to pass out tracts. It takes a discipline. None of us, it's not a gift. None of us have a natural gift to go pass out a track. It is a discipline. The greatest soul winners that I know say before they go to the first door, they're scared to death. That's a common thing. None of us are just, I mean, some of us may be more extroverted, meaning we have no problems talking to people. But for all of us, it takes a discipline to tell someone about the gospel. You could talk to someone and not bring up the gospel. It takes a discipline. It takes developing the habit to pass out a track, to remember to pass out a track, to, to get in the habit. of. Does it make sense? Everything we do in the Christian life is habits. Or may I use the word discipline. We discipline ourselves to be obedient to what God has given us to do. There's a discipline to it. There's a decision that's made. There's something that we work on immediately to follow after God. That is part of faith. The living a consistent faith life is a life of discipline, not a life of wild, wild west and just see what sticks. That's not going to be a faithful, uh, disciplined life. That's not going to be the faith life. You get in the habit, you discipline yourself to die to self. You get in the habit, you discipline yourself to forgive others. Does that make sense? This is the Christian life. This is the faith life. The faith life is a disciplined life. This is, the Bible gives that same comparison to a soldier. When you think of a soldier, the thing that you think most of, of a soldier, is the discipline. Whether in the book or movie, there are the good guys or the bad guys. They are disciplined. There's a regiment. There's something to them. Well, the Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of his life, that he may please him, the one that chose him to be a soldier. I think I butchered that last little bit off memory, but... It gives the idea that the kind of life that we're supposed to live is the life of a soldier. Every soldier is pictured by discipline. That's the faith life. We discipline ourselves to trust God. Discipline ourselves to obey God. That there's a discipline of faith. Faith is not like a a wibbly-wobbly, wonky type thing. It's not a type of thing where... 
I live happy duty and then, oh, look, faith, good. And then happy duty and then, oh, look, faith. That's not living the faith life. That's tripping over stuff by accident. For the children of Israel, they had to have a discipline to be quiet, to purposely not say anything. And again, if you want to see how well this does, we could go as a church. We could walk around the church about seven times and see how many of people will break and laugh before it happens, right? <laughs> Kids. <laughs> Again, could you imagine I was marching some high schoolers. I think they were seventh grade. They may have been ninth grade. And a whole bunch of them carrying tables around the school. Man, we didn't even make it a half a time before the first one started. And everybody like, shh. Imagine how... The children of Israel couldn't even go shh. You know, when you ever been in a class when everybody starts shh, and it become, the shh becomes more loud than what the speaking was. Shh. I'm being quiet. Why can't you be quiet? Right? There was a discipline there that everyone individually had to practice in order for all of them to see the victory. Apply that to a church. If we want to see victory within our church, and we can, it's going to require a discipline not just by one or two people. It's going to require a discipline of faith by all of us in order to move forward. That here it's talking about the faith of Israel, and the faith of Israel, they saw God work because each of them individually had to have a discipline of faith in order for all of them to enjoy the victory. The last thing that we see here is not only the obedience of faith, not only do we see the obedience of faith, but we also understand the patience of faith. The patience of faith. Have you ever thought about why God had them walk around Six days, one time, and then on the seventh day to walk six times, and then on the seventh time they were supposed to shout. You ever think about why? I mean, it wasn't because when they're walking through, the sound vibrations of the marching would break down the walls. It was none of that. God could have easily knocked it down before they got there. God could have knocked it down the first day. Why was it? Do you ever think about why was it? Patience. We are impatient people. We want God to answer things now just like we want the McDonald's line to be two cars or less and we go through quickly. Amen. That's, we are impatient people. But remember the ultimate form of worship is waiting on God. And so they march through the first day and nothing happened. They went through the second day. Nothing happened. The third day, nothing happened. The fourth day, nothing happened. The fifth day, nothing happened. The sixth day, nothing happened. The seventh day, trip number one, nothing. Trip number two, nothing. Trip number three, nothing. Now, you know what would start to happen by the time you went around the third or fourth time? If you're expecting God to work, you're starting to anticipate him doing something. 
This patience has caused an anticipation. You're now looking for God to do something. You're now expecting God to do something. By the way, that's something that's missing in our life is an expectation. Do you expect God to answer your prayers? Do you expect God to bring more people in church? Do you expect to see people get saved? Do you expect people to be obedient to the Lord? We've lost a lot of our expectation because we haven't been waiting. We haven't been looking at God. We haven't been obedient and have the discipline and expectation that God is going to do this. And God often will make us wait, not for God's sake, but for my sake. For your sake. To get us to the place where we're looking for God. We are now been walking by faith. I've been doing what God has told me to do. I'm now expecting him to do something. There's an expectation. I'm waiting for God. As the things, Max, can you turn that down? My computer. As the people walked around, you could almost see the sense of it. Oh, God, what's God going to do? What's God going to do? And they walked around four times, five times, six times, seven times. Don't you think on that seventh time, the expectation is now built up that when they shouted, it wasn't like Josh's shout, yay. They were shouting because they were expecting God to do something. That anticipation has built up. They're now emotionally invested in this. I want to see God work. God will often, that's why we don't have the instant results. We don't have instant gratification. Sometimes there's a labor that's involved, a discipline that's involved, looking to God because God wants us to see if we're going to continue. But in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. The Bible talks about in the book of Galatians. Are we looking for God? God's building in the anticipation. We don't need to quit. That word faint means to quit. We need to be keep on going because we're anticipating. There's been a patience that's built up as we're disciplined. It's not just for a little while. We're in it for the long haul. And now we're expecting God to do something. We're expecting God to open up the floodgates. We're expecting God to move something. Even in this church, we've been laying a foundation. We've been working on the discipline. We've been working on people to develop the habit of obedience to Christ. We're anticipating what God is going to do. We're expecting the floodgates to go open. We're not quitting. We're not saying, listen, you know, it's just not going to work out. God's allowing us to have the privilege of having a patience. God is going to do something. And we're going to watch him work it. And it's going to be amazing. But we're going to be consistent. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be disciplined until he opens that up. Because we're looking forward to him open up. He promised it would. And by the way, this can't be just one person's faith. It's as we labor together. Each of us individually must be looking towards God. And then collectively, he's going to bring the rewards and, the, and his victory to us. 
This is what we learn from this lesson here about what faith is, the elements of faith, that there's an obedience to faith, that if we're truly trusting God, we're going to obey what he told us to do, even if it doesn't seem to make sense, even if it doesn't work out logically, even if it doesn't seem the culture is going to allow it. There's a discipline of faith, a consistency that I'm going to do it because this is what's right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to develop the habit. I'm going to develop the discipline of following after the Lord. And then there's going to be a patience. Just because you read your Bible three days doesn't mean you're automatically going to have victory. Just because you pray for someone to get saved uh, a couple times doesn't mean immediately they're going to repent, come to you and say, I've changed my ways. But we do understand there's a patience to it. We could trust God. And we're looking forward to the victory. And it doesn't happen right away. But it will happen. We need to continue on. That's part of faith. That is part of faith. To be able to wait. To continue on when it doesn't seem to be working. To continue on when it doesn't seem to be lining up. Continuing on when you're not looking at the cracks. Wouldn't you be doing this too? If you're walking around the city of Jericho. Looking to see if there's any cracks every time you passed it. Is there something messed up? Did, did a blade of grass move? You're looking for something. And nothing happened all of those times. Until the last. When they were obedient. And they shouted. And the walls fell down. And they took that city pretty much without firing a shot. Because God brought the victory. Not them. By the way, faith isn't what causes the victory. God causes the victory. Faith is our response of who God is. Expecting for God to do his work. Does it make sense? We're trusting in God, not our faith. We're trusting in God, not our prayers. My prayers didn't do it. God did it. My prayers come out of my faith in who God is. Does that make sense? It's all about God. And so with this, we could see the children of Israel, the faith of Israel. And through it, we could see in this account that each individual had to have an account of faith in order for them to collectively enjoy the victories of the faith. There was an obedience of faith, there was a discipline of faith, and there was a patience of faith. Let's keep looking at God. It is not right for God's people to be impatient with Him. We can trust God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.